Max Dean is football, and I am Max Dean, aka the most tired dad on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at the Max Dean. And today, guys, it's been a little bit of a hiatus, but I'm going to be doing the Cleveland Browns. So I think I said something about doing the Bengals next. Uh, they'll be coming up shortly because I'm going to be going through all of the AFC North. But the Browns are just, they're the most fascinating team in the league right now. And I just, I really had a few things I just wanted to talk about. Um, I'm going to probably do the format a little bit different than I did for the Steelers. Just for the sake of trying to get uh, some more team deep dives. But uh, essentially... You can find this on YouTube, uh, Maxine is Football, podcast, Maxine is Football. It's where I cover all broad NFL stuff. You can find me on YouTube and uh, podcasts as well with Sunday Night Jetlag, which is uh, the New York Jets coverage that I do with my buddy Anthony. Um, you can also now find me on gridironheroics.com where I cover the New York Jets. And I'll be doing a little bit of uh, Texas Longhorn stuff as well. But with that all out of the way, the Cleveland Browns are a fascinating team. Okay, so the first thing I'll briefly do is I'm going to talk about some of their drafts over the past couple of years. Um, but I, I really, they only had a couple of drafts. So really the most interesting thing to me that they have going on is the roster structure with their veterans uh, because they have a lot of really expensive veteran contracts and some really unique dynamics going on with them as well. So first thing, let's just jump into it right now. Okay, so over the past couple of years, ever since Andrew Barry took over as a general manager and Kevin Stefanski uh, joined on as head coach, their drafting has been... I would say pretty good overall. Uh, Jedrick Wills has, has been a solid player. Uh, Grant Delpit, been a solid player. Jordan Elliott, contributor. Um, Harrison Bryant, contributor. Nick Harris, now their starting center. Donovan Peoples-Jones, looks like he's an emerging uh, uh, wide receiver. So that is a legit draft class right there. It would have been probably nice if it was headed up by the 10th overall pick being a star, which Will's not really there yet. But again, sometimes it takes offensive linemen a little while. So that could be around the corner. Uh, then you look at last year, Greg Newsom has been a good player for them. Jeremiah Wusakormo has been a really good player for them. Uh, you know, those are really the only two that have been major contributors up to this point, but a, a really good solid top of the class. And this year, no first or second round pick. Um, they picked up Martin Emerson, uh, Alex Wright, David Bell, Perry and Winfrey, Cade York, Jerome Ford. Honestly, any of those players could become contributors relatively early. It's hard to say, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly not going to be all of them, but some of them could. You know, they uh, traded away the corner. They traded away one of their corners back to. Um, they traded away one of their corners back to the Rams. Um, what's his name? Um, I forget what his name is. Uh, anyway, they traded him back to the Rams, and so Martin Emerson 
might be uh, an important corner for them going forward. Uh, Alex Wright would be a rotational guy at best. Probably not going to be a guy. David Bell, though, he may be their starting slot receiver. And Perry and Winfrey may have notable uh, uh, rotational snaps as a pass rushing interior defensive lineman. Cade York will almost certainly be their starting kicker. They do run deep at running back, but just because it's a position that gets so banged up, we could see Jerome Ford taking snaps as well. He's an interesting guy from Cincinnati. So, you know, overall, I really like their drafting so far. Um, they've been one of the teams that I've, I've been the most impressed with. And I've also thought that overall, when it comes to drafting, they definitely do put priorities on the premier positions, especially in the first round. So, you know, that jives with some of their analytic uh, or analytical way of thinking. So, you know, that that's something that I, I can get down with, so to speak. Um, if you look at, let's see here, we have some of their statistics relative to the rest of the NFL. So remember that the way that they're compared here is going to be all against all only teams who've had uh, at least three draft classes because anyone with any any uh, front office with less than three draft classes their statistics are just major outliers even three is not really like as much as you'd like in terms of uh, the depth of the data but that's really that's what I use as my cutoff point so you know when you're looking at first round picks they've only spent first round picks on uh, pre premium positions, so quarterback, um, wide receiver, tackle, edge rusher, interior pass rusher, or corner. Um, they've split evenly on offense and defense. Uh, anything else notable? I mean, they've only made two first round picks, so I don't really want to spend a lot of time on, on those. If you look at premium rounds, which is rounds one through three, they are second in the NFL in terms of the percentage that they've used on premium positions there as well. So seven of their 10 uh, first, second, or third round picks have been used on premium positions. So second in the NFL, definitely putting a priority on it. However, they are 22nd, so basically tied for last or are dead last. Uh, in use on offense though so they have tended to use those uh, picks from the first three rounds on defense anything else that jumps out here um, they've only spent one of those picks on offensive line it was a top 10 pick however but that ranks them pretty low in terms of uh, picks one rounds one through three that they've used on offensive linemen and they've used a lot on defensive skill so that's anything linebacker back to the secondary. So um, they made major investments there. Um, and, you know, those are guys like Greg Newsom, um, Emerson, Jeremiah Usukoromoa, etc. When you look at the entirety of their draft, um, they even out a little bit in terms of premium positions. So they're heavy on premium early, less around premium later. Something that I tend to like in terms of draft strategy offensively um, they're right in the middle of the pack uh, kind of on the lower end um, still spending more on defense um, 
they have not drafted a single quarterback in the tenure of this organization. That's something that I don't really love. Even if you're spending later round picks on guys, I still really prefer that you are doing that, uh, at least to some degree, just because it's such an important position. I just kind of feel like you should always be taking swings. I do understand that they spent a ton of picks on Deshaun Watson, but coming in in 2020 and 2021, I would have liked to have seen them just take some kind of swing there. Um, and in terms of first round picks per year, um, they had two, they had one each in their first two years, none in the third year. So that ranks them at 17th with uh, 0.67 first round picks per class. Uh, premium rounds, they have 3.33 per, cl uh, per class. And that ties them with one other team for 10th best, and uh, they only have 4.67 late round picks, so picks 4 through 7 per class, which ranks them uh, tied with one other team for 13th. So out of the entirety of what they've done in their first three years, as far as draft picks are concerned, I like the players that they've gone after. I like some of their tendencies in terms of the positions that they've prioritized. Um, I think they have a, a pretty solid even split between offensive and defensive. They're not too heavy really in any one direction. The one thing that I would kind of like to see is more overall picks per class. And I know that they've spent some on trades, but I would like to see them try and make up for that, that a little bit. And just because of how many picks they spent over the next couple of years kind of seems like they'll have a hard time getting back to the average per year that I would really like to see. Um, okay, and just the last thing for drafting. They have a second round pick next year. They have a third round pick next year, which is a special, a special compensatory pick for uh, one of their front office uh, people being hired to another organization who was a minority. Now, I... Was that Quasi Adolfo? Did he come from? I need to double check because I, I made this, this page a little while ago. I just wanted to see where he came from. Was he a Browns guy? Yeah, yeah, he was the Browns guy. That so um, the Vikings hired him, uh, which will give the Browns a special third round compensatory pick uh, in next year's draft. They have two fourths, one from Minnesota, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh all their own. So um, you know it's it's not terrible, but they basically only have one pick in the top one hundred, and so. Uh, that's going to be something to keep in mind when we're looking at the rest of the roster and some of the moves that they've made some reasoning for that. So, um, what they've got now is kind of what they're going to have. Um, so, so here we are when we're talking about the salary cap stuff, this is by far the most interesting part of what the Browns go have going on here. Um, they are an expensive team. A very expensive team. They've got Deshaun Watson, forty-six million per year. Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, and Amari Cooper all clearing twenty million per year. 
They've got Joel Batonio, Wyatt Teller, David Njoku, Nick Chubb, John Johnson. <clears throat> a bunch of non-premium positions all near the top of their respective markets. Uh, so that's a lot of money to, to be paying your your veteran core. Like a lot of money. And unfortunately, none of these guys really have like none of these guys really have a hidden hidden value so to speak so like even Amari Cooper who they traded a, a, only a fifth round pick for they're getting all 20 million of that APY like they they didn't trade for for a player with 20 million APY but they're actually paying him 11 or something like they they have all that all that money is is what they've spent on players. So they've got like 11 guys clearing 10 million per year. One, two, three, four, five. Five of them are non-premium positions. Uh, then you throw in Baker Mayfield on top of that, who we'll talk about in a minute, and he's making almost 19 million this year. So this, this team is very, very expensive. Usually you kind of have to choose. Either you've got a bunch of uh, cheap premium position players and that allows you to spend a little bit more on those non-premium positions for the duration of those those uh, wide receivers corners edges and quarterbacks being cheap or you have those premium players uh, on on high level contracts and then you got to kind of cheap out a little bit on the guards the running backs the tight ends you know that the safeties like it's hard to do both, and the the main reason for that is it kind of takes away the middle class of your roster. You know, and it really really puts a lot of pressure on your draft picks to hit and be good contributors. Um, it it's it's probably not something that they would have an issue with this year, but it it's definitely it it just it puts a lot of pressure on your draft picks to to contribute a lot because you just don't have a bunch of guys who are all making decent money that become your depth you know your depth becomes uh, your depth to your guys on rookie contracts are more guys on rookie contracts and that's that's just hard to do it, it it's hard to to win like that consistently and I think right now they are in position where they can probably do that but you just have to keep going back to it like Donovan Peoples-Jones has an average annual salary salary of $870,000 he's not even a million dollars on average and he's a starting wide receiver for them so that's tremendous value but it's it's hard to keep hitting on players like that. Like they're not, it's not going to happen all the time. Especially because over the next couple of years, they've given up notable draft picks for guys like Deshaun Watson. So look, I can blast through some of the, I can blast through some of, the the details surrounding um, their their various uh, expenses, and you know I can I can look at that compared to some of the other teams in the NFC AFC North. But look, I mean they are they are 
all in like they are spending a ton of money so really one of the, the things I wanted to talk about which is what made me decide to do the Browns right now is Deshaun Watson and look I'm not gonna go on about the situation he's in in terms of like specifically what he's done um it's it's more than clear that just based on the amount of evidence that's out there that there is at least some level of wrongdoing now whether that's a small level of wrongdoing whether it's a huge level of wrongdoing it's it's not really something i'm here to talk about and frankly it's something that i just don't have enough person i don't have enough information to to, to comment on it but there is at least some level of wrongdoing that aside he is going to get suspended there is no doubt about that so recently there has been talk about the nfl looking for an indefinite suspension i'm not really sure that that's i'm not really sure that that's what they're looking for is going to happen um and there's also uh, speculation that the NFL is looking for a season-long suspension that uh, Watson's team, Watson's team, and the NFL Players Association will be pushing for an eight-game suspension, and it's going to meet somewhere in the middle. To me, that's the more likely outcome. Uh, the NFL could really push hard and say, "Look, we're doing a season-long suspension, and that's it." I, I have a tendency to believe it's going to be the majority of the year. So. The implications of that are you may have heard that if Deshaun Watson is suspended for the entire year, his contract will toll, which essentially means that it'll be pushed back an entire year. Um, And so the Browns won't really, they won't lose a year of, uh, of service kind of, Um, they, they won't, They'll get everything they paid for, at least, let's put it that way. They will lose a year of his prime, but they won't lose anything that they paid for. So, in that sense, it's worse for Deshaun Watson, um, and and better for the Browns, actually. Because if he misses 12 games, they're probably not playoff bound anyway. It was like, coming back that late is not really going to change their playoff chances, right? So... As far as the financials are are concerned, it's better for them to miss the whole for him to it's better for the Browns for Watson to miss the whole year because it doesn't really change uh, their financial dynamic. In fact, it would probably improve it overall. Uh, at least it would make things easier for them uh, in in some way. It would be way worse for Watson though. Because he got all of his money uh, this year in signing bonus. And so his his salary, it's only like a million dollars. So if he were suspended for an entire year, that would just toll. So next year he'd be playing for a million dollars. So really, he he just loses a year worth of earning ability. Last year, uh, they the Texans paid him to not play. So he didn't lose anything there. He came to the Browns. They gave him a brand new contract, a huge signing bonus of uh, about $44 million. And then he has his, his, uh, his uh, APY of $1 million, approximately. So 
he doesn't have to give back anything from that signing bonus. Like so, he's even though he's paid this year forty-four million to do nothing, or at least you know, not play football. Uh, he'd only he play an entire season of football next year for one million dollars. And so, even though it comes out in the wash in terms of he got paid forty-five million for one year's worth of playing, he loses a year of earning potential in his prime. So that pushes back future contracts extensions an entire year for him. Um, in terms of the Browns, it would actually hurt them a lot more if he was only suspended 12 games. Because that will mean that his contract will not toll. He'll only lose uh, 12 seventeenths of the salary. But because they insulated him from... Uh, because they insulated him from um, uh, from from the suspension loss of money with that huge signing bonus. Basically, he got all of the signing bonus in cash over a few few lump payments, but that remaining million dollars worth of salary would come one seventeenth at a time over the course of the season. And however many games he misses due to suspension, he loses that. So, you know, in grand total, missing 12 games of the season, he would uh, only be losing, like, in terms of compensation, he would be losing, you know, I don't know, $800,000 or something like that. Which, you know, to him, in the scheme of that $230 million contract, it's, it's very little. Uh, the problem is that uh, if uh, the problem for the Browns is that if that happens, they will have paid him uh, $45 million to miss the majority of their, his first NFL season. And uh, when they gave him that contract, they almost certainly expected the suspension to probably be six games and the possible uh, negotiation to bring it on appeal to bring it down to maybe four games. And if that were to happen, then they get through the first four games. Maybe they think they can win a couple of games with the strength of their roster. And then, you know, he's in it and he's playing for the majority of the season. They're playoff bound. Going yada yada yada. Now, uh, they pay him. If it's a twelve-game suspension, they pay him all of this money, and he just sits on the sideline. And because they insulate, they chose to insulate him from the financial cost of being suspended. Uh, they gave themselves no protection, and the problem too is that from uh, the look. From, from the PR look, they spent a ton of first-round picks and a ton of money uh, to, to get this guy in, and they might have a very poor season just because the impact of the quarterback position is huge. And the drop-off from Deshaun Watson to Jacoby Brissett for the majority of the season, it's, it's, it's enormous. I mean, look, we saw... The, the Colts struggle mightily and then 
38-year-old, 39-year-old Phillip Rivers came in and got them to the playoffs. And look, I mean, as efficient as he was, we all know he was on his, his, he just didn't have it anymore in terms of his arm. So the upgrade from, from Jacoby Brissett to 39-year-old Phillip Rivers was enough to be bad to getting into the playoffs. What do you think the difference is between Deshaun Watson and his prime to Jacoby Brissett? Like it's, it's, it's enormous. So there is a very real possibility that the Browns are maybe on the strength of their w- roster, like alone, just, I don't know, maybe four and eight, three and nine by the time he comes back. And that means that their playoff hopes are all but done because in a very competitive AFC do they do they think they're running the table to go nine and eight, you know, and and get a wild card spot? No. So really, the the they they'd after going through all all of those first twelve games, he'd be coming back and you know at best probably getting them to still below five hundred. So then there's all the PR stuff of paying him all this money for games he didn't play, uh, trading all these draft picks for um, this guy, and because he wasn't available, they had a bad season, and maybe it's even a top 10 pick, so they gave it a 13th pick last year, the top 10 pick next year. So there, there's a lot of negativity in the potential for for uh, for this 12-game suspension, and it's definitely not what the Browns signed up for. And even though their season overall would probably be worse if uh, he was suspended for the entire season, at least they wouldn't be missing out on all that money. Because if he if if his contract holds and he plays next year for a million, it's all it's all really the same for them. In terms of the financial uh, implications, but if it's only 12, 12 game suspension, that's a that's that's a lot of money uh, uh, to pay. Like if you're if you're paying Deshaun Watson uh, forty five million dollars to play four games at the end of the year three games at the end of the, what is it, 17 games, for so five games at the end of the year, you're going to pay him $45 million for five games one year, and you're not going to have a first round pick going into next year, it's, it, it's just a situation that I, I'm kind of surprised about, you know, and then, at that point, you're asking a guy who hasn't played football for you know, has not played a game of football for over two years at that point, to come in in basically December football and just start to play, and, you know, how is that going to go? The entire season, the offense has not been practicing with him. It's just, I don't know, like, I don't, I know that this is not how they they planned it to, to, to shake out. Um, it was definitely a gamble, and 
I think that they just, they were not happy with their quarterback situation. They looked at the draft and they said, I don't, there's not a guy here that we would like to roll with. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm just kind of shaking my head at it because think I think they just misjudged the public perception of Deshaun Watson a little bit um, and what it was going to be and because ultimately the NFL is not really beholden to anything legally in terms of how how hard they go after Watson um, so it's really just like how strong is the public reaction to him that's kind of what's dictating his suspension. It's just the way that it is. Um, in terms of... Another thing to keep in mind about this is that... The NFL is not really happy with the Haslams and, and, and the Browns in general to uh, for, for giving him that $230 million fully guaranteed contract. Uh, it's not the way that the NFL works... Uh, in terms of giving out fully guaranteed contracts, especially not uh, for that kind of money for that length of time, it, it to to give out a fully guaranteed con- well, to, however many guarantees you have, how however whatever total of fully guaranteed money um, is in a contract. Uh, if that money goes into future years, a percentage of that has to be put into an account in escrow. So it's like, even if Deshaun Watson uh, isn't getting paid $230 million all up front, the fact that it's fully guaranteed means a huge percentage of that comes out of ownership's pocket day one and has to go straight into uh, that account. That's why uh, teams really prefer to use like rolling guarantee structures. So like uh, by using effective guarantees, it's extremely unlikely that a player will miss out on a guarantee, but it also gives the actual ownership time to accumulate that money versus sales or whatever. And so it's not just like this huge chunk out of their pocket and they are wealthy, but like, you know, just uh, even very wealthy people don't necessarily have 170 million dollars in cash like on the spot not to mention everything else that they're spending on this super expensive roster as it is so because of that because they were willing to do it the other NFL teams are are not happy with the Browns and because Goodell is beholden to uh all 32 owners if 31 owners are pissed off at the one do you really think that um i mean there are some where it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily affect them as much but if 31 owners are pissed off at the browns do you do you think that they're gonna go that they're gonna push for goodell to go easy on this decision that's kind of up to him in terms of how the suspension is going to go because 
essentially what's going to happen is is um Goodell will have the final say on appeal. And so even if he's not the one who necessarily dictates the initial suspension, because he has that um because he has the final say on appeal, it's it's really ultimately his decision. And if 31 of his bosses are saying go hard on this team, um, I, you know he's going to do it. So that's another reason that I think it's unlikely that the NFL is going to be hard and staunch on uh, on the full season. Because even though it does punish Deshaun Watson in, ter- in terms of, you know, not being out there and playing, he's, he, it would punish him individually way more, uh, to, to miss the entire season, like way, way, way more. However, in terms of the public perception, they're probably not largely aware of that. So 12 games is three quarters of the season. If they feel like that's going to satiate the public, you know, if they if the if the public is going to feel that three quarters of the season is is good enough punishment for for Deshaun Watson, and they have no understanding of what a, a wild difference financially it makes for him to miss the entire season versus three quarters of it, um, then they don't the NFL doesn't really care. Like it's not they don't really care about punishing Deshaun Watson if that makes sense they care more about what the public per- perception of what they their the punishment that they're bringing down on him and they'll actually care more about punishing the browns for making this move plus on top of everything it looks absolutely terrible for the NFL that a team was willing to go out spend 3 plus first round picks like 3 first round picks and change plus a fully guaranteed $230 million contract to a guy that's embroiled in the middle of this, uh, these lawsuits. And then more lawsuits are filed, and it's just in the media constantly. It's all anyone is talking about because it's the slow season. So it just makes the NFL look bad. And so they're pissed off at the Browns for that too. Now, here's the thing. Other, another team was going to trade for it regardless, right? So, like, that's kind of secondary. There were multiple teams who were interested in trading. So it's really that huge contract that's the main driving force. But because the other teams know that it would screw over the Browns if he missed most of the season but not all of the season, I just feel like that's what's going to happen. Like, I, I just I don't see a full-season suspension coming into play. They, they may start there and negotiate it down. But ultimately, you know, they're negotiating with the Players Association, not with the Browns. So the Browns, uh, the Browns would actually probably be like, okay, you want to give them a full suspension, a full year suspension? Oh, oh gosh, I guess, I guess we just didn't realize how seriously you were going to take it. You know, like that would kind of be their, their response to it because ultimately it's, it's a lost season, but it's not, it's not, you know, $46 $46 million worth of lost season. It's just losses. Um, 
you know, but Deshaun Watson's camp and the NFLPA, they know what a difference it would make to him financially to only miss part of the season. So if that's who the negotiation is with, you know, that's obviously what's going to be pushed there. So it's, it's just a situation that the Browns have got themselves into, uh, you know, from, from a, a cash perspective and a cap perspective, it, it sucks. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, ultimately, you're going to be paying him over $90 million for just over a, se- a season at some point. Just the way that it breaks down. Like, it, it's rough. It, it, it really is. Um, and ultimately, maybe I'm, I'll be wrong. And maybe that will end up just being a six-game suspension. You know? And if it's a six-game suspension... It's still tough just to go with Jacoby Brissett, but but ultimately you can make it through six games. But if you're talking about more than half the season, if you're talking about three quarters of the season, then it's it's a lost cause. It really is. Um, and then you turn around and you look at the Baker Mayfield side of things, and that's something else that they've mishandled a little bit. <coughs> so... Baker Mayfield is set to make $18.858 million fully guaranteed on his fifth-year option. Because they uh, they essentially activated that option um, over a year ago following his third season in the NFL, it became fully guaranteed um, way back then. When they completed this season... And uh, <clears throat> decided to uh, make the play for Deshaun Watson. Uh, they they decided to play the patience game with Mayfield. Um, and I think that that was a calculated risk when they looked at the weakness of the quarterback class in the draft and the availability of uh, veteran quarterbacks. They looked around the league and they saw there are this many teams who need some kind of answer at quarterback. And Baker Mayfield is probably good enough at the cost he's at to take one of those spots. And so, uh, we will wait around and see what someone offers up. They got offers, but all of those offers uh, required the Browns to absorb some of that salary, which they really didn't want to do. If they were willing to do that, the deal would have already been done with the Panthers. They didn't want to do it, and I think at this point, they're kind of stuck with it, because with every passing day, the pressure is more on the Browns to to do something. Because if it comes up to training camp and he's still on the roster, it's, it's just going to be a meteor shitstorm that they just do not want to deal with. And I, and I understand why. I mean, it's, it's going to be... It's going to be Reporters asking Baker Mayfield. It's going to be fans wanting to talk to him. Um, 
they'll be asking questions. How do you feel that they went after a guy with all these legal problems and paid him this huge contract when you're the one who got them to the playoffs last year? Blah, 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 blah. And that is going to be a, 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 something that they just don't want to deal with. So with every passing day, that looming training camp start date is is just it's something that they they see coming like every every minute that ticks closer to that day they're just dreading it they were banking on another team wanting to pick him up but you know things just shook out a few a few unexpected ways um teams were were more patient uh, teams didn't draft quarterbacks in the first round, but they ended up taking talented guys in later rounds. You know, whether it was the Falcons taking the kid from Cincinnati in the third round, whether it was the Titans taking uh, Malik Willis in the third round, whether it was the Panthers taking Matt Corral in the third round. Um, these teams that needed answers at quarterback they got developmental guys uh, without having to overpay in the draft, without having to reach. Uh, the Colts, who needed somebody bad, <clears throat> badly, uh, they got lucky that Atlanta kind of burned the bridge with Matt Ryan and put themselves in a bind financially with his upcoming bonus and had to pay him, uh, trade him for pennies on the dollar. I mean, and I mean pennies, so... Um, the Colts got their solution. The Commanders got their solution by trading for Carson Wentz because um, they just wanted to get it done. <clears throat> um, all of these teams, they, they kind of answered all their questions. And then the Steelers. The Steelers needed somebody. Uh, they spent a first-round pick on the guy that they liked, the guy that had been growing up and they're in their building. And... There's really only one team left that, that makes any sense. Um, and and that is the Seattle Seahawks. So the thing about the Seahawks is, is that because they know there's nobody else who's going to trade for Baker Mayfield, they have no impetus. Like, they, they have no reason to say, look, we'll trade you this pick and we'll, we'll take... Uh, uh, we'll, we'll take on his salary as well. So you get a pick and you get to get rid of his salary. We'll take him just to make sure we get him. They have no reason to do that because nobody else is going to trade for him. So they just wait and wait and wait and wait until either A, the, the Browns say, all right, look, we'll send him over to you. Um, just send us this pick back and we'll take on this percentage of the salary. And if that, if it, if the Seahawks are like, okay, um, that's, that's, we will, we'll accept that. Then, um, it's probably just going to be a low pick and the Browns will have to eat the majority of the salary just to, just so that they get some compensation back and don't take on, on 100% of his salary. But it's possible. It's, it's honestly, it's possible that the Seahawks won't even do that because they might just say, look, not only do we know no one's going to trade for him, we know that we're the only team he wants to. he's going to want to sign with. 
Because we're the only team where he's going to have a real shot to start. So, um, the only reason that they would is just to get him at a cost control. Because if he does become a free agent, um, they it's possible that they could end up paying less in the trade financially than they would as a free agent. It's possible. Um, but they might decide it's worth it to keep the draft pick. So... Um, the Panthers are the only, only, only other one. And they already have Sam Darnold, who's making almost as much as, as Baker Mayfield is. And they spent a third-round pick on a very talented player. So, you know, for them, it might be worth it to go into the season and say, look, Sam, you're the guy until we can't stomach it anymore. And... Then we put in Matt Corral, and we see how that goes. Um, <clears throat> because that's really the only other the only other team that would be interested at all in the Baker Mayfield headache. And he would want to go to one of those teams, because they're really the only teams that he would have a chance to start. And so, to me, it just makes sense that the Seahawks are it. And whether they say they're publicly interested or, or not, like... It, you know, they may say they're not interested, whatever, but ultimately they're they're the only team with a quarterback situation so poor that it wouldn't be a big upgrade to have him. Uh that it would be a they're the only team with a quarterback situation so poor that it would be a major upgrade to bring in Baker Mayfield. So with all of these expensive players and this super expensive roster it's not a guarantee, but it is a possibility. It's a it is a it's a real possibility that the Browns could spend essentially 40, 40 some million for Watson and 18, 19 million for Baker Mayfield. So clearing sixty million dollars on the quarterback position to to, to not have either for pretty much the entire year. And that is like, it's a worst case scenario, but it, it's, it, it's a possible, it's a real possibility. It's a real possibility. And even if they decide to go into training camp with Baker Mayfield and say, look, we're, we're just going to deal with it. We made our bed. Now we're going to lie in it. It's going to be so uncomfortable and so awkward because the suspension will have come down at that point. So then it's like, then it's like, you're, are you giving the reps to Deshaun Watson, even though he's not going to play for the majority of the season? If you're not giving them to Deshaun Watson and you're not giving them to Baker Mayfield, you've got $60 million worth of quarterbacks who are taking backup reps or splitting backup reps. And all of the media stuff that's going to come along with that, it is just going to be day after day uh, increased pressure until they just, you know, do something. And if they don't release him before training camp, it's going to be so unpleasant to release him during training camp. It's going to be weird. It's going to, it's, 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 it's a bizarre situation. And obviously I've never seen anything quite like it before in the NFL. Um, you know, if we look back at 
the guys that they've got on their roster. Um, you know, I guess let's let's take a look here and see. All right, so you know, here's here's another thing: uh, APY spending versus cap spending. They are spending 160 million against the cap, essentially 159 million against the cap this year. Um, their APY is 287 million. So there's well over a hundred million dollars in differential between APY and cap spending. Right now, they have about 40 million dollars in cap space, approximately according to OverTheCap.com, and they have uh, they have they're over the cap by about 30 million next year, according to OverTheCap.com. So that hasn't taken into account rollover. Um, but when it's all said and done, they're probably not really going to have any cap space next year. And they have a few things going on in terms of, you know, uh, like expiring contracts, like a, a, a Jadevian Clowney. So they're not really going to have cap space next year. And um, they're going to lose notable edge presence in Clowney. Um, and... Uh, They'll 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 have to answer some questions at that point. And regardless, they're just not going to have much money to spend on outside free agents. They're also not going to have a first or second round pick, or they will have a second round pick. They'll have one for they will have no first round pick. They will have a, a second round pick, and then their third round pick won't be until um, the compensatory area, so over pick one hundred. So. Once they complete this year, they'll really have no recourse to um, to improve their team in free agency or the draft outside of a solo second-round pick and making significant uh, restructures of contracts to open up cap space. So right now, they're aware of that, and one of their hopes is that they do get to pawn off Baker Mayfield onto somebody else. And free up an additional $19 million worth of cap space. Um, so that's why they're so staunchly against that. Because they know it's their, it's their only real recourse to, to, to get notable flexibility for their roster next season. Um, their offense is ridiculously expensive. There is a massive differential between the two. Um, obviously, Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield combined is a big part of that. But they also have a $20 million receiver two guards totaling 30 million and, and so on and so forth and tight end breaking three, 13 million defensively they have a few very expensive players as well um, in terms of uh, Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward but they also have a lot of starters who are making significantly less money than that um, on the defensive line interior um, at linebacker and their, some of their other secondary positions as well. Um, they have 18.7 in dead money, 18.7 million. So that's, you know, that's fine, um, relatively speaking there. Offensive breakdown, um, when you include Jacoby Prissett, and I believe they have one other backup as well, if I'm not mistaken, that brings them up to 16 $69.5 million in the quarterback APY. Um, their tackles, they're cheap at because um, Conklin doesn't make that much, about $8 million per year, and then they've got their other tackle, Wills, on a rookie deal. Their offensive 
uh, interior offensive line between those two guys and starting center Nick Harris. It's about $32.7 million per year. Um, but you realize that that doesn't really give them much in the way of depth either. Wide receiver, they're at $28.6 million per year. Um, the majority of that coming from Amari Cooper. Tight end, 14.7. That's the majority coming from uh, David Njoku. And they have a pretty expensive running back room as well between uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and a few other guys as well. Defensively, their interior defensive line is not paid a whole heck of a lot. And it's also, I think, an area of weakness for them. Their edge rushing unit is one of the better in the league. It's also one of the most expensive in the league. I think in terms of what else is out there, Miles Garrett's contract is a good contract. Like, there are so many things. That's This, this is the most disappointing thing about what's happening with the Browns and their quarterback situation and everything like that. The Browns have made so many good interesting moves that I really like. They have maybe even the best roster in the NFL, excluding the quarterback position. And obviously talent-wise, Sean Watson only amplifies that, but but they had such an opportunity to be one of the best teams in the NFL this year if they had gone about things a little bit differently. Now it's a season that's just marred with controversy. Um, there is a potential for major underperformance, um, a lot of distraction for sure. You know, and it's just, it's, I just, I wish it were different. I really, really do. And it's not, it's not even about Deshaun Watson. It's just about everything that comes with him that, that takes this team that could be so damn good and, and not for sure, but maybe we'll just screw it all up. Man, it's it's disappointing. It really is. Um, they've got about eight point eight million invested at the linebacker position. Um, corner twenty six point two. They do have a, a big contract for Denzel Ward, who's very good, but um, the rest of their guys are not too pricey. And safety, uh, John Johnson makes up the majority of the fourteen point three million they have invested there. Um, you know. You can see just because of how many players they have in the 40 plus million range and the 20 plus million range and the 10 to 19 million range, um, they have a lot of cheap players uh, projected to make the roster at under 2 million per year, 32 of them, um, which is which is a lot. It's, it's a top heavy uh, roster in terms of uh, in terms of expenses. Also tends to mean that you're top-heavy in terms of depth as well. Um, but I've already commented on that. They're at the first uh, in the AFC North at most of, many of the positions and, and second at least in almost all of them. So quarterback first, tackle second, uh, interior offensive line first, wide receiver first, tight end second, running back first, Edge defender first, linebacker first, cornerback, uh, uh, linebacker second, cornerback second. So, in terms of the other AFC North, they are financially invested more heavily than most of the teams at pretty much all of the positions. 
when you look at the actual roster itself, it's it's just stacked. I mean, that offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. Nick Harris is, you know, doesn't have as much experience as a full-time starter, but when you look at what's around him, that pivot position, it's I think he's he's good enough to 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 be a player for them. Um, I think they even have some halfway decent depth there, as far as guys like Michael Dunn, who played who started games for them last year. Um, wide receiver. Amari Cooper, he's a very good receiver. Donovan Peoples-Jones is an emerging receiver. Once you get past that, you don't really have a lot in terms of proven guys. David Bell is a guy that that he I think he has limit. I mean, he has limited athletic upside, but he could be a, a very viable slot receiver. But you're asking him to probably produce um, year one. On the bright side, they are going to be a, a twelve personnel heavy team because they like to run the ball so much so that does take a little pressure off that slot receiver uh david njoku and harrison bryan are probably going to be be seeing notable um snaps in in two tight end sets um they have the running backs to feature a very run heavy offense as well and nick chubb kareem hunt dearness johnson um and even Dimitri Felton and draft, new draft pick Jerome Ford as well. It's it's absolutely stacked. It's an absolutely stacked offense. Um, but then you look at the quarterback position and the top two guys, they might not play. And that it, I hate to keep coming back to it, but it's impossible to talk about everything else separately from that, really. On the defensive side of the ball, um, they've got... Rising player Grant Delpit, John Johnson, the third on the back end. That's a quality safety duo. It's not, maybe not the best in the league, but it's certainly viable. And then at the corner position, you got Greg Newsom, Denzel Ward, um, and and probably Martin Emerson, Emerson starting. It also could be uh, Greedy Williams being one of the starters as well. It's projected in some places for Emerson, some places Greedy Williams. I'm not sure who it will be. Um, I know that Warden Newsom will look. Denzel Ward's a very good player, like a really good corner. He's not absolute lockdown, and he has a very expensive contract relative to the market. But um, he's a very good player. He turns the ball over. I mean, he's big time. I like him a lot. Um, at the linebacker position, Jeremiah Osukormoa had a great uh, a rookie season. I picked him to be the defensive rookie of the year going into last year, and obviously. Micah Parsons took that and ran with it, but Jeremiah Wusukoromoa had a really good rookie season. Um, he had he had a quality uh, year that probably could have been in contention for Defensive Rookie of the Year in some years. Obviously, Miles Garrett is an absolute beast, um, one of the top couple of pass rushers in the NFL, and as likely as anyone else to be the best edge rusher in the NFL this year. You know, he could be the, the sack leader this year. You know, like, it's certainly possible. Jadavian Clowney, good edge player, good against the run on the other side. Um, Chase Winovich, decent rotational guy. And then um, 
Alex Wright, the guy they drafted this year. So really the only place that on this entire roster, aside from maybe some depth at wide receiver, that's even really a question is that interior defensive line. Jordan Elliott is he's a, he's a fine player. Taven Bryan, really a major disappointment in Jacksonville. Um, you would hope that maybe he was he's better with the talent that's around him here. Tommy Togiai is really a, 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 just a run-stuffing nose tackle. And Perry and Winfrey is really a kind of a pass rush specialist from the interior. So they've got a variety of body types, but they don't really have much proven there. And, and overall, I think the upside is, is limited, especially just because of the... I think the upside is just limited. I'll just leave it at that. So, you know, all things considered, that limitation is probably overcomable. Um, but the questions at quarterback may not be overcomable. That I'm, I don't even know if that's a word, but I don't. <laughs> the 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 quarterback issues are going to be the major conversation surrounding this team for and it it always is but it you it is not always in with the potential for such negativity for the next year plus because there's and I, I hate to just dwell on the negative but there is just such a real possibility that the Browns are gonna spend 60 million dollars on players who won't play at the quarterback position that when that they have a poor season and when and when Deshaun Watson finally does go in, it's been so long since he played that it might not be smooth sailing for two out of the five games he plays. And then there's going to be that narrative surrounding it, like did Browns make a bad decision? And then if they have a high draft pick, then it's going to be all about who are the Texans drafting with that pick that. Browns could have had or whatever it's gonna there's just a lot of potential for negativity that could that could surround this now I could be wrong I could be I, I it, it could be that that either a Watson suspension is for notable no like significantly less than I'm talking about and he comes in and plays well they make the playoffs and everybody's happy or it could even be that even if he has a long suspension, that they just win just enough games with Jacoby Brissett, that when Watson does come in and he plays really well, they still sneak into the playoffs, have a playoff run, whatever. Like it's maybe that's possible, and and the Browns are lauded for the risks that they took, and and you know there'll be you know in fifteen years there'll be ESPN thirty for thirty on the. The, the the Browns who beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game to go to, to, to the Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson. Like maybe that will be the case. Uh, um, but there also might be 30 for 30 on how... on how this team with so much promise and so much talent and the young coach who was... who everybody liked and the young GM who everybody was so high on all completely imploded because of this one decision that they made. I think, you know, we really could see either one of those things unfold. Because the talent is there, but the distraction is also there. Guys, thanks for watching, listening. 
you made it all the way through. Look, I I would imagine that the majority of Browns fans who clicked on this uh, or, or, or turned this on probably didn't sit through the whole thing. I, and you know what? What what can I say? I, like, my thing is, I'm going to be honest about it. I, I'm not even saying that the... That, the Browns are the the people running the Browns are bad people for making the trade for Deshaun Watson after I wait. I'm not saying stuff like that. I'm just I'm just talking about the outcome of the decision that they made, the potential outcomes and, and what it's gonna mean. So if you did make it through this, thank you. I do appreciate it. Um, I will be doing the Bengals and the Ravens coming soon and whatever other teams decide to jump to might do maybe we'll do the AFC East next. Um Remember, you can find me on Twitter at TheMaxDean. You can find all of these uh, videos and podcasts at MaxDeanIsFootball, whether it be on YouTube or Podcatchers. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube and Podcatchers with Sunday Night Jetlag, the New York Jets-centric uh, content. And you can also find me at um, gridironheroics.com where I am going to be covering the Jets and Texas Longhorns. So, I will see you all in a couple days. Enjoy yourselves.